most expensive Muras that you can buy. He's, I don't know if he'll ever sell it. This guy's an expert in Lamborghini Muras, and he has a Mura that he found in a barn in Oregon, and it's Sick. unrestored, it's orange. Before they paint those cars, it's like, as if it's probably better than from the factory. Oh, for sure. All the sponsorship BS, like that stuff doesn't work. The like, giveaways, I told you, the, all that stuff. People see through it. They're like, do you think that we should do like a, a $500 gift card? And I literally told them, I'm like, that actually has the negative effect. That brings people in who are transactional and right. people who don't authentically want to give you feedback. And it also makes me seem transactional. There's gonna be this influencer capitulation where people are just like, why the F am I doing this? Why am I still posting? Like, what does it matter? Welcome back to the JMB Body Works podcast, JMB Body Talks. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Mikey Izzo. This is Joey Izzo or Joe Izzo. As we're building this media aspect of the, <laughs> the body shop, we've been taking a lot of inspiration from other brands and social media platforms in our niche, which is this overarching car community. And somebody that we are really excited to talk to today that has built himself an incredible social media platform through Instagram and other platforms is, uh, is Hootie with Valve and Pistons. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So do you want to start by telling us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do? I run an account called Valve and Pisson. I started the account in January of 2016, so I've been doing it for eight years. And really, the account is just a way for me to catalog the things that I love about classic cars. That's like it at its core. I started the account as a way to catalog it for myself, and then what I found was other people started liking it. Other people started following it and it just turned into a way for me to in some way evangelize or display like these elements of cars that I think are beautiful to an audience. And so that's what it is. And and um, I think I just post a picture or a piece of content every single day. I'm in reality, I'm just a content aggregator. So 95% of the content on my on my page is not my own content. It's someone else's content. I like to give them credit every time I post. And I've just been doing that for eight years. That's about it. When it started, was there a vision behind it? Was there a brand identity that you wanted to try to portray? You know, I I don't really think so. I mean, you have to think back to Instagram in 2016. And Instagram in 2016 was really not what it is today. So Instagram today is, in my opinion, it's hyper-refined, it's professional content, it's uh, whether that's professional photography or video or even something like we're doing today, like clips of this are going to go on Instagram. Yeah. And so if you look back to 2016, that wasn't the case. Like the, the bar wasn't there. And so I sort of started it just as a fun outlet. Like that was really it. There was no grand plan. There was no big monetization plan. I didn't have aspirations to build into a massive media empire. And honestly, I just chose cars and uh, images or experiences or things that I like to display. So if you look at the page, mm -hmm. a lot of it is European cars. That's what I like. A lot of it is racing inspired cars. That's what I like. Years range from 60s to mid 2000s. So that's kind of the range mm -hmm. I like to keep it in. Um, I infuse a lot of motorsport content. So that could be uh, onboard car footage through weekly meditations that could be pictures and images like vintage pictures and images right and I think the the goal of it is to sort of bring back this nostalgic feel of what a classic car or what classic motorsports really is and you know th this is all driven by me by the way Valvin Piston is one person so right. it's not, we, there's no big team there's no intern there's no whatever there's HR no yeah there's <laughs> no it's just Valve it's just one guy <laughs> Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's what I like and what I appreciate. And it's like what evokes emotion out of myself. I want to communicate that to my audience. And in the bio, you have something that I, that was what initially besides the aesthetic, which I want to get into a little bit about was this kind of, um, mantra that the page seems to live by, which is something along the lines of nights spent oil stained. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Where'd you get that from? You know, I just, uh, at the time, I think in 2016, I was uh, living in San Francisco. I was like, I would get home from work. I would work pretty, fairly long hours. So sometimes I get work home from work around 9.30 or 10 p.m. And uh, I had this 70s BMW race car and I would go down. I had a little garage spot under my apartment in San Francisco and I would like go work on my car. And then on the weekends, like 
I'd be working on my car and I had like a, a hydraulic jack and some jack stands and like a set of like whatever 200 piece craftsman toolkit and like that's what I would do and so when I once again when I created the account it was like really for for me like it wasn't like I, I was not trying to cater to some audience and right. it was like I that's what I did and like look I'm not a mechanic by trade by any means like and I would screw things up and don't I'd bring sit, me your car yeah I'd sit there and like Google things and try to figure it out and like eventually you sort of learn and so like what I wanted that account to be is like it's a memoir for those who want to spend their nights and weekends oil stained and like that's what these cars do is like caring for the car and fixing the car and figuring it out like builds this emotional bond with the car yeah. so when you're driving it it's not just like this inanimate object that is soulless like i, I know yeah i know like the, yeah. the how it works and i know how to care for it and it knows how to care for me and like because of that i'm a little bit more gentle when closing the doors i'm a little bit more cognizant of what it's like you know i don't want it to sit outside in the rain like i don't want it to be dirty and it's so a living thing yeah it's like that's <clears throat> you know this concept of being oil stained is like you know it's sort of like this kitschy phrase but it really is like the commitment that you make to that vehicle and the relationship that you're going to build with that with that vehicle right have you always been a car guy yes and uh i don't know what it was but like ever since i was like as young as i can remember i would memorize the makes models of cars the shapes everything i had like boxes of die cast cars when i was a cool. kid is it hereditary uh, my dad was into like old BMWs, so he had uh, BMW 2002s growing up. Nice. Um, he would fix his own cars, but he but he was never like hot rodding cars or doing anything like, you know, we'd go out and like change his brakes or change his oil stuff like that. Um, I think I probably took it to another level, and um, but yeah, ever ever since I can remember. And then my brother's into cars, so uh, in high school we built um some E30 race cars. Nice. Uh, you know we like. <laughs> cut out the dash and like welded in the sunroof it was like how do those do as race cars turn into a uh it was pretty bulletproof um as a car it's super light rear-wheel drive manual um there's a reason why that platform is really good uh you know people build them into uh spec you know spec e30 cars mm -hmm. so uh we raced that for a little bit we sold it off like just as much money as we put into it we got right. out of it are you still um, tracking or racing not really. Uh, it takes a lot of time. It's um, it's worth it. It's a lot of fun, uh, but it, it you know it's it's a lot of time, uh, and and like it's a lot of risk too. Like if you go to the track and something happens, something breaks. Like my ethos is like I want to be able to drive to the track, track, and then drive the car home. <laughs> like I don't want to trailer the car to the track. But you're, you you kind of roll the dice in that situation. Like if something happens, or like you know an axle blows, or like a, a brake caliper seizes. Ready to risk it all out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, and so, um, you know, my wife and I, we had a a son like five months ago. Congratulations. You just can't like, you know, I have a, you know, my my work is very demanding. So it's like, what do you do for work? Uh, I work in venture capital. Okay. You work so. at Adam Manhattan. Uh, I work uh i run my own fund so i work out oh, of my, great you know i go to the city once once or twice a week but i work out of my house yeah. very cool what was the poster yeah. car for you a lot of us had a yellow or purple murcielago or excuse me countage diablo something like that did you have a poster yeah. car i think my grail car is an f40 okay. and i think i i've made that clear via in instagram like i get all these like stupid um <laughs> instagram dms like requests uh and when i say stupid i generally try to respond to every dm i get that is serious Got a lot of angry instagram users right now going god damn it <laughs> yeah, yeah but you but you get some that are like you know you just kind of have to troll so like you know i get this one all the time people are like i will buy your account and it's usually like in some like translation system and i'm sure they're bots and i always just respond back with like 2.4 million dollars because that's the <laughs> price of a ferrari f40 right. i'm like if you wire me $2.4 million, I'll send you my entire phone. You, yeah. can, just, you can have, have everything. It. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the grail car. I think when I was a kid, the earliest model die cast that I can remember, I had a um, British Racing Green uh, Series 1 E-Type convertible Sweet. as a 118 scale die cast. And then I had a, a P4, what is it, P45? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The Ferrari. The new uh, one? No, sorry, not the new one. What P330? is it? P330? P three thirty or kind of looks like a Maserati, the Birdcage Maserati. It's it's whatever mm -hmm. that Ferrari race car was based off of, right? Yeah, it's whatever yeah. the P four five is 
based off of. I think mm-hmm. it's like yeah, a P three thirty. P three thirty. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. I could be wrong. I had one of those. That's probably like the most gorgeous car ever made. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so behind our shop, there is a there was a mechanic shop um, called Euro Mechanica. He did mostly BMWs and Saabs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, his previous life was um, like the the Maserati like equivalent was that birdcage car. It's like very rounded, all aluminum. And it was a race yeah. car. So he worked for race teams, and um, he would just like recreate every weekend like um, new panels off of an English wheel because he would just crash them and weld them back together. So he was actually yeah. like a really talented fabricator and i guess he just found it easier to pay the bills doing mechanic work but it was, it was a pretty cool little shop it was like a it was like a museum in there he had like bicycles all hung up on the wall and yeah. he was a really knowledgeable guy but yeah that's, yeah. that's I, like, I, I love that car yeah um it's really pretty all of those like old race cars like all the panels are hand formed they're really beautiful how they're done a, a, a guy that i met through instagram this guy named his name is jeff meyer uh i think his uh instagram handle is socal jam one but he is like one of um, what I love about Instagram is like there's all these people and they're all like experts in these weird niches. And we can talk about, you know, or so they how, say. yeah, how to build an Instagram account and what I think yeah. works today versus doesn't work. But like this guy's an expert in Lamborghini Muras and he has a Mura that he found in a barn in Oregon and it's Sick. unrestored. It's orange. It's probably one of the high, you know, most expensive Muras that you can buy. He's, I don't know if he'll ever sell it, but. He found another Mura, getting to the story of this guy who uh, would would work these panels, he found another Mura that was uh, the daughter of the Shah of Iran. When she went to college in L.A., she had a white Mura with blue interior. I don't know if he found in the back of the shop or someone just knew that he was the Mura guy. And so he bought this car and um, he was fixing – because the car had been damaged. It had been hit in the front and uh, he was fixing the – the nose of the car, by the way, that in of itself, like there's like one guy who knows how to do that. But in this process of fixing that, he took the entire car. And this was sort of an idea we had together. He was like, should I repaint the car or what? Cause just the, just the a bonnet was yeah, raw metal. Shell, yeah. yeah. And I said, you should take the entire car down to metal and just show that ev- that this car is straight. There's no Bondo or no dings or anything on this car. And he did it. He called it the bare metal Mura. Sick. And it's he later sold it and it got, you know, some nice nice number. But you look at this car and like you look at that body and it's like, "Oh my god, there's not like if you took one of my cars down to metal, like I, you know, like there would be like pin marks here and there yeah, and like course. all this other stuff and we, Bondo. We've been doing a lot of that lately. Yeah, where, exactly. You guys know this yeah, best. Yeah, we just got a 356 and car looked pretty good. And I, I actually took it out on Christmas Eve and blew the transmission. So we had the transmission out. We take the engine out. My dad's like, I don't even like the car. Let's paint it. So we took it all down to bare metal. Yeah. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's looking a lot better now. Um, but you know, you see a lot of stuff that look, we could tell it wasn't perfect and you could see some stuff from the outside. Us probably better than a lot of other people. But, um, so there was some stuff where like, wow, like yeah. who wasn't like, this guy needs to get arrested. Whoever was doing this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? And there are guys that they're just so good at this. Like Rod Emery on the three, yeah. 356 mm-hmm. is like, you see some of the cars that come in and they take it down to bare metal and it's, yep. you know, the nose has just been like spot welded there and it's all like. You know, it's like all rough. The metal's all cruncher. Like it was hit in the back, and the metal was like rippled. Yeah. And like, he's just like a master. Like yeah. they work either. I don't know if they cut it out or what they do, but they work it. And before they paint those cars, it's like, it's like as if it's probably better than from the factory. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. it's like yeah, no it's doubt. Like insane. Yeah. Like the quality of work that, and it's like the skill that it takes to do that is like. It is insane, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so before you had the account, were you like a Tumblr guy? Because it's kind of got that like Tumblr uh, vibe. No, does it have a Tumblr vibe? I don't know a what a Tumblr bit. vibe is, but it's I, just like, I, I'm going to take like it cool, as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. It's just like kind of uh, cool photos that kind of just like, you know, yeah. really give you an emotion. Um, I wasn't a Tumblr guy. I just like, you know, it's like I try to spend a lot of time like curating it. And I've, I, I have been posting less frequently lately just because of, you know, the baby and all this other stuff. And, you know, my, my work is particularly busy this time of year. But it's like I try to spend a lot of time like really curating the photos and like making sure that it's good content. It's not like for me, it's not just putting out content to put out content. Because right. once again, like I'm not doing it for anything. You're proud it's of like, it. yeah, I'm d- I want to do it because I'm proud of what I'm putting out. Do you have like a mental checklist in your head? You, know, that you, you have could- like a, like you were kind of giving us that, you know, your verbal idea, like your, right. you know, this is my philosophy on it. Do you have that written? Do you have that very understood? Or was that kind of off the tongue? 
it's it's not written down. I know things that will do better than other things, and I think some of the content that does really well, I think, is like cheaper con. Is I call it like cheaper content. Okay, like uh, crash videos right. would do really well, or like burnout videos do really well. But like in my mind, unless it's a crash or burnout that's like really specific to like my style. I tend to try not to do that, but I know that what we'll do here's, here's an example of a piece of content that I posted that is one of those videos that's in my style. It's a Ferrari F40 driving on the Nürburgring and it skids out and almost hits a wall. It's like really, really close. I think to I've seen wall. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, then it just like drives off. Yeah. And it's yeah. like from like 1995 when this Sick. video was posted and it's like, I knew that piece of content would do well and it was fortunate that it like fell into my intersection of like what I post. You know, I love like Whistling Diesel, this guy on YouTube yeah, who just like too. does like ridiculous stuff. Like if he smashed a Ferrari F40, like I don't know that I would like post that piece of content because like – It's cheap. Yeah, it's, it's in my opinion, it's like cheap content. Like is it entertaining? Yeah, I would, I'd watch that video all day. But like – I mean I would cry during it. But like it, it's like cheap content. So like I don't have like a written down checklist, but I subconsciously – I've been doing this. You have to, I've been doing this for eight years. So like – Eight years times 365 days is, what is that, close to, like, uh, 3,000 days of doing it? Like, that's a lot, you know? So it's, like, I kind of just know, like, what will do well, what won't do well, what sort of speaks to to the brand. Yeah, How often do you look hours. at something and you're like, this is it. This is, like, the oh exact – Oh, my God. They're... But then you go to it later and you're like, this is garbage. Like, I, you, like, uh, fall out of love with it. Does that ever happen? You know, I've, I'll have i post a piece of content where I think that's it and then, like, the reception isn't good. You know, it sort of is what it is, but, like, I don't, I, I don't really – I don't take it down or anything like that. Very rarely do I find a piece of content that I'm like, this is it. I've never seen this before. And like this falls squarely in what I'm doing. And it's also um, content that tends to do really well is like of a certain time or something. So it's like urgency to the content. So um, the example is this guy, I think in like Eastern Europe, like took this like Formula Two car on the road and was driving on the highway. And it was like six hours after someone took a video of it. Like I woke up that morning and I saw it and I like immediately reposted this content. I was like, this is the type of stuff is like, like that I would do like go buy a formula right. one car and like drive it on the road is like this is a piece of content that will go viral so like that was an example of like something that's immediate that falls into the wheelhouse like sometimes like it'll fall flat but it's usually because of the time of the day or posting something something like that is like interesting yeah it so I do well. want to get into a little bit about that like more of the specifics yeah. or the I don't know if it's really research it sounds like you just had your 10,000 hours and that's how you kind of figure things yeah, out yeah. Um, but for you Right. How important is it to be authentic when you are putting something out? Oh, yeah. When I was like driving here, I was thinking about, you know, things that I want to hit on. And authenticity is hands down. So I think it's like two things. One is consistency. Okay. Um, Just showing up every day. Like you can't if you like for whatever reason, if you're a brand or you are an individual or whatever and you want to grow your presence consistency is super important. So just like make sure you show up. And um, also, you know, what would boost that a little bit is if you try to learn from that consistency. Okay, like what worked, what didn't work, all this other stuff. The second thing that's really important is authenticity. And in my opinion, like money can buy you a lot of things. You can go take money and you can grow an account to a million followers if you really want to tomorrow. You can buy all the people essentially, Um, but you can't buy authenticity. So you need to understand like what is really authentic to you and like what it what do you need to get out in the world? What do you believe that people need to see more of or uncover and what story or what journey do you want to take people on? And then you need to be like that needs to be fully authentic to your core. And the thing is that is even more important now than it was 10 years ago. So like if you think about Instagram 10 years ago, it like just launched. It was like maybe like two years old or something. At the time, Instagram was like very authentic because like no one was creating like highly professional content. And then what happened is like we went through this phase of like highly professional, highly edited content, like the picture of the person sitting next to their car with their hat, with like the discount code in their bio and like all that other stuff. It like becomes like overly professionalized. And the audience knows that. Because the audience is spending a lot of time on social media. Right. And they are getting trained every single day to identify authenticity, right? They really. Disregard. Like, yeah. Boom. As soon yeah. as they see, like, 
Use the code VNP10 for 10% off. It's they're done. They're yeah. on the next thing. And not only that, they discount you the next time they're going to see you. Mm. So it, it like ripple effects across your content. And so authenticity is super, super important. And by the way, this is getting worse and worse for younger generations. So like Gen Z, they spent, they're more digitally native. They spend more time on their phones, on these apps. And like authenticity is everything. It's like, it is everything. Like if you're not passionate about it or, and you don't think you can be one of the best, it's like really difficult to break out. It really is. I think it's hard for people though. Like I, I struggled with this myself, especially when we were starting this before we started seeing some real growth with it was dealing with this, this buzzword, which is like imposter syndrome. I never thought I was a creative person. I never thought I was any, anybody special. And so I think one thing that was hard for me that like what you're saying is at first believing what I liked or thought was authentic was going to be palatable to other people. But it sounds like you're talking more about, and correct me if I'm wrong, but not caring as much about what people think, just figuring out what it is that's interesting to you and then going towards that. Does that make sense? Yes and no. I think like you have to find what's interesting to you. But you also need to understand how the game on the field is played. When Instagram started and I started my account, I was probably like one of three content aggregators, automotive content aggregators out there. And let's say Instagram had 100 million users at that time and it grew to 2 billion users or whatever. I'm just making these numbers up. Someone is going to correct me in the comments, I'm sure. That's 20x growth. So like my account should grow 20x. Just like like right. if the pool if of people, it, yeah, if the pool of people is normally distributed, I should grow 20x. Now, in reality, if I'm showing up every day and I'm consistent, I'm learning about what I'm doing, I should grow more than that. And so I had this massive tailwind behind me. Today, if you're showing up and you're saying, hey, this is what I need to get out there, you actually need to think about like, how can I do this in a unique way? Or how can I do this differently than other people? Or like, what is it that I'm going to do? And so like, I brought up this guy, the Mira guy, mm -hmm. right? He is like the specialist in Miras, but there's another guy. His name is like Peloton 25, I think. And he is like the McLaren F1 guy. He has like 30,000 followers. All he talks about is McLaren F1s. And like, if I'm in like a comment section and someone posts a McLaren F1, like I tag him. I'm like, was this the one that was repainted or is this the bot? And he knows everything about it. Right. Or like there's this account, Patina Research, that takes like these old school videos about mostly like motorsport stuff whether it's jdm or whatever and then he like interlaces like hip-hop and rap songs on top of it that's just like a niche that would not exist when i started my account and like i i can't really go there either because like i've created my brand around what it is today so it's like i think like you brought up this point is like okay is it your mission or is it like what the feedback you get from your audience i think uh it's ultimately both but it's more so you have to be smart about your mission right. is what I'm saying is like, okay, like I want to get content X out there. How can I do it in an interesting way that like other people haven't done yet? And then you can sort of start to feedback, get feedback from, from your audience. So do you it. think you can grow anything? Like if let's say tomorrow I, <laughs> I have an idea, I build this niche. I have a solid idea of what my goal is and I start creating, do you think there's room for growth with, within like specifically with a, an Instagram page, for example? I think the guy who's really into uh, candy lawn peanuts yeah. you know, or lawnmowers, can that guy, <laughs> yeah. I think that guy can grow? Um, yeah, I yeah. think he could. So uh, as much as cars, because who, you know. No, 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 I think he could. I think I think the, th the, the weird thing about the internet is that it has aggregated so many people that even like crazy, weird little niches have like millions or tens of millions right. or hundreds of millions of people who are like somewhat interested in it. Yeah. And so, like, the guy who's, like, really into lawnmowers, like, tell me about all the, like, unique things about this lawnmower. Like, walk me through how you start this lawnmower, change the blades, or do this. Or, like, what's this lawnmower good for over that lawnmower? Or, like, take the lawnmower apart. Or, like, restore – take me through a story of restoring a lawnmower. Yeah, you know, that's like, true because I watched like, a lot of videos of this guy cleaning uh, washing machines. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I got really into this thing. Yeah. I can't find him. We've now, all been there before. I love that guy. We've all been yeah. there before. So like I think that if you have a certain area that you're really passionate about and you you do sort of like obviously an understanding of like what is unique or what's a unique thing that I can like show to my audience about this, I think you can grow, I think you can grow anything. So then if we were starting a new page today, you and me, Hootie yeah. and I, starting yeah. Valvin Piston from scratch, 
didn't exist. How would you do it? What? Because I know you're one of the things that you were just saying before is it's completely different than it was when you first started. So let's actually start there. How, how do you think you would, if you were going to educate the people, they wanted to start a page, what would you do? Um, well, what are, do is this like an actual like case study? Like, do we have an idea that we're starting? Let's or say, like, what let's do we, say like, Valvin Piston never existed and you were going to start Valvin Piston do it today. Again today. How would you do it? Okay. Like, what are the keys to growth? I think first off, I would uh, I would probably not start on Instagram. You okay. didn't see that coming, did you? No. I would probably start. <laughs> no. I'd probably start a YouTube channel. Now, the reason why I say I'd start a YouTube channel is because monetization on YouTube is much more aligned with the content that you create. Okay. And 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 I'm not saying that because like I want to make money off the page. I'm saying that the monetization allows you to feed money back into making interesting content. Right. So like Doug DeMuro, his content is genius. And the reason why his content is genius is because one, it, you know, his monetization is directly aligned to views. But the genius part about it is like these videos, when you post them, they have what I call tails. Right. So like you get a, a bunch of views initially. And then over time, that sort of that line flattens and you have a tail at the end. Okay. If you look at like Whistling Diesel's content versus Doug DeMuro's content, I would bet that Doug DeMuro's content has fatter tails than Whistling Diesel's, right. which means all up top. Right. Whistling Diesel is like probably most 80, 90, whatever percent of his views come in the first 24 hours. hours. Doug DeMuro, if I'm if I want to buy a W220 S65 AMG, guess whose video pops up? It's not Whistling Diesel's. It's Doug DeMuro's because like I'm interested and he goes me through all the quirks and features and he drives it. Then he scores it. Love the quirks and features. So what I would do is I would probably start a YouTube account. I probably do something that has content that can be referred back to a lot. And um, I'd probably do something that I'm passionate about. So one thing I'm passionate about is like fixing cars and showing people how to fix them. And this is something that, you know, content that I rely on. But a lot of the content that I look at is like, okay, I want to do an oil change on my Porsche. It's like some dude that did this 12 years ago on a grainy like Motorola Razor, like (laughs) shot it. And I'm like, this is awful. Like, let's like do some like high quality content. We'd buy a car. Do all of the maintenance of it. How do you change the suspension out? How do you change the oil out? How do you change this? How do you change that? How do you change that? Sell the car, go buy another one and just make this content over and over and over again. And like, you're just giving people, people are going to come to that because it's instructional right? and your tails are going to be so fat. And by the time you, you, like a year from now, after you've made 300 pieces of content, or maybe not that much, that's a lot, but 150 pieces of content, you're going to start making real cash flows. Yeah. And then you're going to be buying cars and doing crazier stuff. How do you change the oil on a Ferrari F40? Like, there you go. I like, want to know that. Doing, yeah, start, start doing crazy things. And the point of the video is like, you do everything. And for me, that falls into my ethos. My ethos is I love working on things. I talked about this emotional bond you create with your car. I, I, that, I think that that's like content that people would watch. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because we just had Larry Casilla from MLNYC come in. Um, and he was saying something very similar when he first started the uh the channel that he started on it was guys like matt farah who were making these videos that were sensational and what the reason why the 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 conglomerate that was running those youtube channels picked him up was because what they noticed was his initial jump that initial tailors or you know with the sensation wasn't high but his growth was consistent yes because nobody cared in 10 years the newest BMW 10 years ago they didn't they, like there was a, a select group of people yeah. who, who cared about that but every like his stuff the word that he used was evergreen yeah his stuff was evergreen. exactly so I think that's really interesting that yeah. you're bringing that up so well, try to make I, evergreen I you, content I love Whistling Diesel so nothing against him or whatever like the guys have the genius. He's, done, he's done really well he's yeah. built this very strong following but like I don't think that people are going to go back and like watch Whistling Diesel's like old videos of like a truck that he like destroyed or a truck that he built but like people are going to go back and say, oh, yeah, how did Larry like polish his car or get rid of the salt on his car right. in the winter or like do the wheels or like do that stuff? Like those are those are things that people like naturally search for. Right. And you have like natural SEO. Yeah. The, the other huge problem with those two guys. Uh, sorry, with with uh, with Lynn Diesel and something that I think Mr. Beast deals with all the time is you can't step laterally. Like what yeah. the hell are you going to do? After you smash an SF90 or whatever the hell that car was like, yeah, yeah. are you going to smash an F40? Like you said, like, yeah, it, it gets not. to a point. Yeah, hopefully not. Yes, to a point, like, what are, what am I going to do next? So I think that's another really important point of what you're saying is try to make lateral steps. Yeah. You know, stuff that otherwise yeah. you're going to run into a dead wall. 
So I sort of avoided your question, which is like I didn't actually make an Instagram page. What I would actually do is use the YouTube content to then feed into Instagram. I know. Like that just just becomes evergreen and like Instagram becomes your channel to get people to land and subscribe on your YouTube page. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, once again, like I don't use Instagram for monetization, but it, 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 there's no like the ways to monetize an Instagram page. Look, I have thought about this. Trust me, I've thought about it. Um, I've thought about it a lot and the ways to monetize an Instagram page are not very conducive to, to maintaining authenticity. Right. Like you have to like sell shirts or sell hats. And I do that. I'm wearing one of my hats. That's sick. But like, like I don't make money off this stuff. I go find lots of old, new old stock hats off eBay. I buy them. You can't buy hundreds of them. So I buy them like one at one to 10 at a time. And then I put my patch on them and I sell them for like, I probably make like at the end of the day after shipping and all that stuff, five to $10 a hat. The only reason why I do it is because I want to like see someone in a random setting with right. one of my hats on who yeah. I have no idea who that you're is. You're losing That's, money doing that. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. If you include my time, I am way negative. So like, but there's no way to authenticate like the, all the sponsorship BS, like that stuff doesn't work. The like, giveaways, I told you, the, all that stuff. People see through it. Like I have a company that I'm advising and you know, this company was like, hey, do you think – like they're trying to get some beta users. They're like, do you think that we should do like a, a $500 gift card? And I literally told them, I'm like, that actually has the negative effect because that brings people in who are transactional right. and people who don't authentically want to give you feedback. Right. And then it also makes me seem transactional, and I don't want to seem transactional. And I don't care about the $500. <laughs> right. So I think that Instagram is really hard to translate. Like there's going to be this influencer capitulation where people are just like, why the F am I doing this? Why am I still posting? Like, what does it matter? And um, that's why I just, I just think YouTube's a better platform. I think that makes a lot of sense. How important is storytelling? I think storytelling is like one of the most important things because people inevitably get, just get tired of the content. And so you have to think about like how do you go to the next level? And I can talk about how I did that with Valve and Pisson, but some of the accounts that I like the most are these accounts that are t- essentially telling a story through their content. And it could be them, you know, in an automotive sense, building a car, or it could be them like, I'm going to run across the U.S. or whatever it is. That's how – I'm not even interested in running. I don't like running. Right. But, like, I'll follow this guy who runs across the U.S. because I'm I'm into the story. You, you know? remember so, when living – sorry to cut you off. Yeah. But remember when living in a car was, like, the biggest thing? Like, if you're a loser, you live in your car. Yeah. Now I follow live people. Live in a van down by the river. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, yeah. honestly, there's people who just make content about living in a van, and I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, because it's unique and it's interesting. And you can yeah. – yeah. So, like, I think the story is essential, and I think in absence of that, you need to think about how to, like, take your thing, you know, to the to the next level and, like, what, what comes next. With Alvin Pisson, like, my whole ethos behind it is, like, sort of, like, the community that I want to build. And so we, we, we do – I do this rally every summer called the 24 Hours of Le Montauk. I host it with this company. The company's – name is rally we host in the hamptons and that's like a you know we bring about 50 cars 100 people we host people and that's around the the bridge yes it's the day before the bridge um and uh, me into that last year i didn't quite make it but yeah we'll get you there um (laughs) and so it's uh it's like a way to bring all these people together and like have community and once again we don't make any money on that we actually lose money um we give away a bunch of prizes and we have to pay for you know the venues and stuff like that but it's like a way to bring people together and like we've had we've been able to level up and like work with some amazing brands like Leica and La Marzocco and Debethune which is a watch company they sponsored us last year they're great so like it's like turned into something that's real and it goes beyond just breaks what is it called the fourth wall yeah yeah, what is that yeah yeah Yeah. term yeah it's like yeah, it breaks the screen, cracks yeah. your screen. Um, IRL. Yeah, yeah. So um, we try to do stuff like that as like the way that you know we break break through. Can you talk a little so, bit more about what you were saying? Uh, how you use storytelling with Valve and Piston? Yeah. So with Valve and Piston, my feed is mostly just curated content. So it's cars videos, images I like. I, I, I sort of have some types of content that I post. The most common is like the weekly meditation. So every Wednesday I post it's onboard car footage, no talking, race car or rally car or motorbike. And the funny thing about it is like not a meditation at all because it's like engine screaming and <laughs> yeah, it's like really cool. scary. They're going really fast and like 
but like for me driving is like my meditation so i thought that this was funny and sort of semi-ironic and then i there are some other types of content i post you can go browse it through and, and you'll you'll sort of start to find themes the storytelling really comes in in my stories is actually where i sh share most of my personal life so it's like things that i'm doing with my cars things that i I'm doing like, you know, we were talking about how my watch got damaged. I was taking my followers through that and also explaining to them, what should you do in that situation? Like I'm the one who had to pay $2,000 for a new dial. I don't want you to have to do that. So what you should do in that situation, or if I'm like modifying my car, like this is my project. This is my goal with the project. This is how much it costs. These are the brands I'm collaborating with. And so that's how I bring them through those stories, you know, right. and as like the collection evolves or the cars that I have evolves, like they get brought through that story and sometimes those pictures bleed into the you know main page but you know the main page for the most part is just curated one thing i learned from you recently um with storytelling and something that we've been trying to emulate here and actually after this this has just been getting my mind thinking about stuff that we can kind of take on to our own social media you recently put your 993 away for the season and you did a story post about your uh, winterizing process. Yeah. And it taught me two things. One stories. Oftentimes I just find myself tapping going like this. Yeah. It, it showed me a bit about how to stop people in their tracks. And the other thing was you can make a story, not the Instagram TM story, but a story yeah. about anything. Yeah. As simple as just putting your car away for the winter. Yeah. And I learned yeah. a lot about you, I think, about how you are, how particular you are with your car. And I learned a lot about how to do that functionally. And by the way, those, so that piece of content, that type of content does really well. Like winterizing your car, washing your car. Why right. does it do really well? Because everyone, I mean, if you're following my page, you probably have a car, but it's something that's accessible to everyone. It's not like how do you polish the rear Lexan of your Ferrari F40? It's like, well, guess what? There's only 1,300 other people that have that problem. Like, it's not and a very- none of them are looking at it themselves. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. Not, yeah, it's not a very wide audience, but like, you know, a lot of people in the Northeast, they put their cars away for the winter. A lot of people in the Northeast want to protect their cars against salt. So how do you wash it appropriately? All those things, like that type of content is really good. Like, so for you guys, you guys do body work and it's like, what are the typical areas that rust on a car? In the winter, if you had to wash three areas, like where would you wash? Mm -hmm. Like that's like a piece of content that I think would do really well. Right. And then, by the way, your community might respond and be like, oh, what about like under this part or the fender or like in the back or like right. whatever it is. And so like thinking about those types of content that's like widely accessible is also – that's oftentimes what gets the most um, – Traction. I, I don't want to say – it might not actually get the most traction, but I think it's the most productive. Mm -hmm. I think what gets the most traction is like, oh, this guy crashed this really expensive car. Extreme. Or this, you know, this person paid this much money for this thing. Like people, you know, it's just like the seven sins. Like people bleed into that. That also pulls in people that have no interest in cars. Yeah, exactly. It's like not not great intention. So you're trying to think about like Cheap what content, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Like what what content will actually do well and also be productive for people. Right. Um, so that's like, yeah, what I, what I try to do. In Is there world. like a decade or an era or like a section of like the car world that you feel like is more in line with what you do or does the best? That's an interesting question. I feel like, like we see a lot of like the most expensive, the most extreme, the newest kind of like catches a little more fire than anything else. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, what do you, what do you, what, what have you seen? What does the best with an audience? Is that the, uh, or like what, what sect of the car world? Like, like yeah. is there a, is there a, a, a decade? Is it 90s cars that you feel like yeah. you kind of like you throw know, out there? Or Yeah, I think like um, 90s cars tend to do really well. You know, if you post F40s or Lamborghinis or Countaches, Countaches are 80s, but they'll, they'll do really well. Air-cooled Porsches. Like, yeah. I have almost stopped posting air-cooled Porsches on my page. Like, if so you look at it. Yeah, it's just like it's boring. Like, I don't know. Like, do you want to see that? Like, look, I haven't – I own an air-cooled Porsche, and like – I love my car and I think it drives exceptionally well, but I'm just like, you kind of go to an event and there's like 50 air cooled Porsches. And you're like, oh, cool. I'll park mine all the way over there. So <laughs> you know, it's yeah. easy. So it's like, I think at least for me, what I ask myself is how can I like introduce new things to people, but also make sure the content is like good and, you know, gets engaged, engaged with, right. Is like, 
I think you go too far out on the spectrum and you like kind of lose your audience. But my goal every day is like pull my audience a little further away from this like comfort zone of air-cooled Porsches. You know, like if we can Hmm. label the comfort zone as air-cooled Porsches. I actually like that How do you like pull, get people out just a little bit further and like show them something a little bit more esoteric and a little bit more esoteric and a little bit more esoteric and like expand their minds a little bit. If you look back at my account and you look at like what I posted in – year two versus what I post now, like year two was a bunch of like 300 SL gull wings, Ferrari F40s and air cooled Porsches. And you can go back and like, look at this. I, I don't know the exact number, but I can roughly tell you off the top of my head that that's right. And like, now I try to like, I just don't post that stuff. Cause it's like, I'm bored of it. Right. Like, all right. I told you my grail cars and F40, but how many times can I look at like more pictures of F40s? Like, right. Do your interests and like wants kind of parallel that? Like, is your next car, out of that like what's your next car yeah i mean uh it depends what the budget is um <laughs> so, so uh, let me phrase it because this is a great question dream three car garage unlimited budget daily driver weekend car and we know your grail car but car that you would just leave in your driveway and well first garage. i'd like to know like you know what's what's real life like what is the next car if you had to guess yeah so I don't want to say because I don't want people to bid these up. Um, I don't know. I looked at Alfa Romeo, like uh, uh, Sprint GTs, so like mm-hmm. 65 Alfa Romeos. They're kind of hard to find because a lot of them – very rusty. Yes, yeah. and you guys probably know that best. And a lot – they were cheap for a long time, so they weren't repaired very well. So, you know, the rocker panels are get especially rusty, and then they just replace it with one steel panel, which is not very good for value. So I looked for those for a long time. Um, I would like one of those, a GTA. I like more – I mean, I, I like race cars. I like things that I can drive, and I'm not. I don't necessarily care about like original paint and like has the original stamp manual and like all this Driver. other stuff. Yeah, I like drivers. I like to drive my cars, and um, I like things that have are modded. And um, so I would, I would love like a Alfa Romeo Sprint GT that's like sort of raced out a little bit. Like if the budget extends up, like a couple hundred thousand. Like I think an early Diablo is like pretty interesting. Um, if the budget extends up a little bit more, I think like a SE 30 Diablo is pretty interesting right now. Um, I think other things that are slept on are like esoteric group C race cars that you have to import from Europe that, like. um, uh, like a, a, um, uh, a, a March or a spice, um, like brands you've never heard of. Never like, heard of any yeah. Of those, there's yeah. not like a Porsche 962 that's going to run you like 2 million, but, uh, you know, there'll be like a few hundred maybe like three to 400 K. Um, but they're like crazy cars and they have turn signals. So you can probably get it registered. Um, E type race cars, I think are gorgeous. Those run like two, 300 K, um, series one E type cars, preferably convertible with a hard top. Um, I think is prettier. What else would I go? Are you a car collector? Do you you lose a car when you get a car? You try, you're trying to build it out. Like what's your, Ooh, uh, I think that if you don't have a mechanic on staff, it's really hard to get above five cars and like actually care for them and take care of them well. So if I get in that situation and I hit that limit, then yeah, you kind of got to let one go. But I would like to like have some experience. Like if I need to let my 993 go, I'd like to have a 993, something that replaces it that's air-cooled in some shape or form like overlaps with it. Dream three car garage. This is not going to follow your rubric of daily driver, or whatever, but I, it's Ferrari F40, obviously, Series 1 GT40, and a 73 2.8 RSR. Nice. So that would probably be the daily driver. And then the GT40 is a weekend car, or maybe the F40 is a weekend car. Right. I don't know how you rank both those. Kind of but the same. N- no practicality in my take an Uber for everything else. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What's something that you hate about running the Valve and Piston page? One thing I don't I don't really like is like some some people are like pretty entitled. You know, they'll message me a lot and they'll like demand things and like I'm just like I I, I don't know you and you don't know me and we owe these people I don't nothing. owe, owe yeah. yeah, I don't I owe you nothing. <laughs> I don't I, you're not paying for this service or something like that. Like um yeah, I've and like, some of that. Yeah, and, like, this sort of comes, you know, we host this rally over the summer, and we can only have so many cars. We're limited by space at the starting location, ending location, and, like, you know, people will demand spots there. And I'm like, look, essentially I am paying 
for people to attend. It's like your birthday party. Yeah. So this is not like – it's not like some – free community service that i'm doing or like charity that i'm providing it's like an event like any other event uh what's that big fashion event um the met gala Mm -hmm. like i can't walk in the met gala most people can't and that's just the way it is like i'm not saying that this event's the met gala but like you you see what i'm saying is like you know they're like demand to attend i'm like what (laughs) like i'm not stopping by your house for dinner like like telling you cook me dinner i'm here yeah what, like so much I, like the page it's curated yeah i think and it, look it's a good thing that people want to come to the event but this happens in other respects too like you know sometimes i'll post ways to get information and you know i posted like recently this weekend i'm like what's going on with the christian horner investigation like if anyone's an f1 and i said like i will not share then like i had a bunch of people dm me being like what are the details tell me the details i'm like did you read the last sentence of the <laughs> last story and they're like oh i read it what are the details and i just like I just don't respond. I just leave them on red. I'm like, you can't read, huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just like, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't owe you. And it's like not that many. Most people are pretty good. There's one thing that annoys. Actually, here's another thing that annoys me. Um, so recently, Instagram has moved from uh, more of a like uh, algorithmic feed. I mean, this has been a trend over time, and the algorithmic feed has been overtaken by reels. And so this happens m- more so on video content. But I'll get these, and I read through every single con- comment that gets posted on a picture. Really? Wow. Yes. Every single one I read wow. through and I like every single one, which signifies that I've mm. read it. Okay. So I, there's not a comment that goes by that I do not read. Jeez. Everyone out there, be careful. <laughs> so I read through all the comments. And what I've noticed is there are people who post negative comments and like I'll look at their page and they don't even follow me. And like they'll like be like, you know, whatever. It's like some guy driving something. He's like, this guy can't drive stick or like, uh, I posted some images of like uh, former Lewis Hamilton Pagani Zonda that got crashed, and it was like that guy can't drive the car. It's like, well, the car was like owned by two professional race car drivers, so like they both could drive it, and they actually both crashed it. So like, and there's always someone who doesn't follow me, and I'm like, I have, I literally go and I restrict them. So there's this feature on Instagram where you can restrict people. It's not blocking them; it's restricting them. So what it does is their comments don't get shown to the everyone else okay so they are restricted <laughs> it's like they're so on they're, an island they're just in an empty room shouting by themselves I love and that. they don't know that they're restricted so i just just restrict all those people that's i didn't know about that we gotta start using that yeah, hit the hit the restrict feature the restrict button's great you know um, like i see like i mean you're probably in a little bit of a different boat because people are a little more interested in what you have to say but i right. see a lot of people and just to like comment on a random page that like if it's not your page like no one's gonna read yeah. it's like are you sick yeah. <laughs> like yeah, something yeah. like who cares like do you think anyone cares like yeah i see it all the time especially with us when we, when we post stuff because i think like you said people are entitled and, and a thing that goes hand in hand with that is people think that they are much smarter than they are or to have when we're posting a, a you know a clip of a repair and we're giving the certifiable documentation for how to repair a quarter panel on a, on a Bentley. You're using glue? Yeah. You're a clown. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, me and the engineers over at Bentley who've been yeah. doing this their whole lives are the most qualified people to tell me that this is how we're doing it are not clowns. Yeah. And who are you? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And then you go to their page and it's like, dog lover. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sick, dude. Like, yeah. have fun with your dog, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's what? like, I, I just learned bro. that... Um, so one thing is like if you don't like those comments, they fall to the bottom. So part of my mechanism of liking or not intentionally not liking a comment, I read through everything, is that the unliked ones fall to the bottom. So people generally would never see them. Um, so that's sort of like my semi-restrict. And then the full restrict is you just like don't don't let them go. But like you're going to get – I mean like – in general, my content is less divisive than most people's content. But, like, you know, let's go to the most divisive stuff. Like, someone giving, like, nutrition advice on Instagram. Like, you just get, like, the most, like, emotional responses yeah. from both sides. Like, this doesn't work or, like, blah, blah, blah. Or, like, this, I didn't lose weight or I gained weight or whatever. That yeah, you're not a is. dietitian. Like. Yeah, it's, like, you just, like, these are just emotional yeah, responses from people. Nonsense, yeah. yeah, and, like, you know, it's a benefit and a curse of the internet is that it gives everyone a, you know, platform. P- yeah, no, it puts everyone in the room, right? You're all in the same room shouting, and so that's good because you have good actors in the world who uncover information and who enlighten you and expand your thinking or, or 
teach you about certain areas you never thought about. But then you also have people shouting in the room who are just like the annoying person in the right. room that you're like, dude, shut up. Shut like, up. You're just, like, would you, have no you one... ever had like a disaster where you're like, I need to like rectify something? I mean, obviously there's no monetization involved. So like how disasters could be where like, uh-oh. Like, you ever post something that somebody who owned oh, the content was like, like yo. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that happens actually far more rarely than you would think. Mm -hmm. But there are people that will um, say, can you take the content down? Even though I tag them and I give them – and in my mind, like, I am your megaphone, right? So, like, I see this content come in and, like, I help bring visibility to your page. Now, some people don't think about it that way, and that's totally cool. I'll take the content down. Uh, I posted one time this. There was this image that was like a 1965 Porsche sitting right next to a new Porsche. I think it was a 992, and it was showing the size discrepancy. Mm -hmm. And I remember this very vividly because I I had just landed in Indonesia, and I posted this piece of or or I posted it right before I got to bed. But I just got into my like hotel or whatever and got Wi-Fi, and I woke up in the morning and this thing had gone like totally viral but like all the comments were like this image is photoshop like yeah. i thought i trusted you all this other stuff i mean like was it like a crisis not really so i, I took it down and then like i reposted the actual version it wasn't the end of the world but there was another there was another time too and um i'm not gonna say who the company is or what it does or anything but this company does some work on cars and i posted their work because i think what they do is interesting and in the comments as you guys know, people get emotional about this stuff and they're like commenting on this work that they did. And the company that did the work started getting in the comments and getting like aggressive with everyone. Okay. So like to your point, <laughs> like what I do is I just don't like it or I restrict them. I don't go back and I don't like get Flat angry back. at people or like there's, it's just not worth it. Like what, there's no point. Um, Cause there's just always going to be, you just have to accept there's always going to be people like that, but they were doing that. And so I had to, I DM them and said, Hey, can you stop doing that? I was like, this makes you look bad and also makes me look bad. And I said, if you keep doing it, I'm going to take the content down. And it was like this whole thing. They were like, don't fold to the audience like that. I'm like, dude, like I'm not the one folding. I'm not commenting. Like you You're need to stop doing it. getting mad that live with their mom. Like you, you who need, are like. Yeah, the, yeah. Just, just don't, just don't, just, we'll just, they'll no just fall to the bottom. No, no, <laughs> no, no one will read this. Like just let it fall to the bottom. And so I ended up having to take it down and like I've never posted a piece of content of theirs ever again and i just like have you ever had a situation similar to that where like you had like an input from someone and you're like wow this made like an impact that i didn't think i'd see like you know this is a far-fetched example but like that post where you know you mentioned like lewis hamilton and someone like that will catch wind and reach out or comment yes. or like anything really There's cool like two, that. Two, two examples one um i posted <laughs> this image of a jaguar d-type it was at an airfield. It, it was at a car show recently. I mean, this was now like in 2018, but it was at an airfield show in the UK or somewhere. In, I think it was in the UK. Once again, I read through every comment. This guy, Alex Henderson, commented on the photo and said, I used to work on this car in the 60s. Wow. Uh, it was an Acuria Cossi Jaguar E-Type, and I used to work on this exact car. So we started DMing, and he sent me pictures of him working on the car wow. next to it from the 60s. And so I found out who took that image, and the person who took the, the photographer knew the current owner of the car. And so I connected the current owner with Alex. Alex happened to be going to Europe for a wedding. I think the car at the time was in the UK or was in Scotland or something. He was going to, like, Scotland for a wedding. And... Alex ended up reuniting with the car wow. and he went for a drive in the car that he formerly worked on. He That's was like really worked cool. on it when he was like 16. Wow. Um, and uh, he, Alex is a painter. And so he, um, when he met the current owner of the D type, he arrived with an oil painting of the picture that I posted the car at the airfield. And he subsequently sent me a print of, uh, the car at the airfield, That's very uh, cool. which I have. Yeah. So that's one, that's one, um, experience that was like pretty cool what was another one that i was gonna say there's a um a photographer his name is mateo and he took some images of uh simon kidston or kidston motor cars i don't know if, whether simon owns it himself uh ferrari 250 gto so kidston took this car and put in this like glass box he like took it on this like um water tram water shuttle it was like really cool thing that he did and then this photographer mateo took some images of it and i reposted these images totally not thinking anything of it like 
went viral, blew up, and it sort of kicked off Mateo's uh, photography career wow. in cars or, or maybe his side business or whatever he's doing with it. He was so thankful that he made uh, 10 prints of this image, like really high quality prints of it. And um, he sent me one and uh, I got it framed and it's in my office. That's awesome. Um, so Outside of stuff like that, are there any like crazy perks or like something you're like, you end up in a situation or at a place and you're like, this was completely because of this outlet and... Like, I can't believe that I'm here right now because I started an Instagram page, like, you know, however many years ago. Um, you definitely you, you definitely get the opportunity to meet interesting people. So you get invited to events. You can go to events. And generally, you have access to meet people. Um, and you have some – usually, you, I have some pre-existing connection with them because I can DM and pretty you know a lot of people and like get access that's that's pretty cool but like i got invited once to a yacht party for monaco f1 wow um, but like i couldn't go it's like it gave me oh. like two week heads up and i was like oh, i can't go to that i get invited to a lot of interesting rallies in, in europe like car rallies to go on once again like i need to like manage how much time this takes we get great access like for for the rally that we put on we get great access to people so like daniel arsham is one of our guests oh, that's uh, cool we have a uh, bunch of other uh, super noteworthy jazz Dylan, who's like really awesome. I mean, he's just the nicest guy ever, but he's an awesome collector. Um, he's based in Tennessee, I think. He has a, brought his Porsche 962 on the on the on the rally. Um, awesome. And uh, oil stain lab guys came, and so we do some of that. Uh, it also works the other way too, where some of the connections I made from Instagram actually play into like my personal my my career. Um, so like I said, I'm a venture investor, run my own fund. So, you know, the way a fund works is you go raise money from limited partners and then I deploy that capital into opportunities that hopefully return them more capital. And because of cars, like I've met investors in my fund and it's been sort of this like weird circular thing that I just didn't even know that this would ever like come back. It was like, I just went to something, met some people and we talked and kept in touch and like chat about cars every now and then. And then like all of a sudden a potential prospective investor who's quite a large investor in my fund ended up doing like back channel references with that person. And they're like, Oh yeah, Hootie is like very meticulous and consistent. And the guy's like always on it. And like, I didn't even have a, like a really a working relationship with that individual. It was like all through like cars, but it's just through like the conversation around cars. And I'm admittedly OCD about this stuff. And so like that person likes like, yeah, he's going to be a good steward of capital. The other, the, I mean, the more tangible perk is like, and like this is like I made that joke about like like VNP ten like ten percent off, like when I'm doing work on my cars, you know I have to buy parts like anyone Data else. Sponsor. Yeah, what I do is I actually identify the part that I want to get first, and then I reach out to that company and I offer a collab. And I'm like, look, I'll pay like if it's fifty percent off or whatever. Like I'll pay the fifty percent. I was gonna buy the part anyway, but this way I can like highlight it, and then I get access to the person who is running that company and then they give me information that other people won't get and then i can help other people yeah other people out with that information that so I can, right and i i tell i tell people that i get these parts at cost or whatever it is but like i've done that with uh fister motorsports mm -hmm. which makes like exhaust and parts for yep. uh, porsche's darren fister is the man he's the nicest guy ever um and then i've done that with bbi uh so dimitri at bbi like i put a set of his uprights on my car um, I've done that with some like Porsche folks where they've gotten me parts uh, from Porsche, cool. you know, at, you know, not at cost, but at like wholesale pricing. Um, and so that's like a really cool aspect where like, you know, and for me, it's like, you know, the discount's nice, but I'm more so like, like being able to reach out. So now Dimitri and I have a relationship and like, he's working on something now. So like, I'm like helping him out. And so it just like organically builds these connections through a, sh a shared, like an authentic shared experience. Right. So we're getting to that time, so we're going to start to wrap yeah. up. We have one more thing for you that we've been doing with our guests as of late. So we're big fans of uh, Grand Tour or uh, Top Gear, and what they do yeah. is they have a racetrack that they get guests to race around. So our version of that is Mario Kart. So All we're right. going to give you a controller, and we're going to see how, how fast like, you can get around. <laughs> we use the same cart, the same character, and the same course. What's the Who's the character? It's Mario, always. All right. So before we start I'll, that, how can people find you? At Valve and Piston. Awesome. On Instagram. That's it. No other page. Cool. We appreciate Yet. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do that thing we were talking about where yeah. we buy cars and fix them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, until we start that page. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. That was another episode of JMB Body Talks. Uh, I am who is Mikey is. This is who is Joe is. And uh, we are now going to do my favorite segment of the show, which is Mario Kart. And so you got that little boost in go. the front. That's a huge tip. All right. Do you play video games? 
Not very frequently. What do you do in your free time besides work on your cars? I work, spend time with my family. Nice. That's it. Where'd you go to school? Uh, high school, college? High school, I went to Lexington High outside of Boston. College, I went to Northwestern University outside of Chicago. You've traveled quite a bit, it sounds like, from our interview. What's the favorite place you've ever been to? Uh, favorite place I've ever been to? Uh, favorite place for vacation, St. Bart's. Favorite place for a trip? I like Japan a lot. Oh, yeah, I love Japan. What's a current car trend you hate? Cur safari cars. Safari cars? Yeah. Really? I think it's way overdone. I think it was cool. I think what Lekin does is cool. Uh, I think uh, the Dakar will probably make money for people that got in on MSRP. Mm -hmm. uh, I, but I think that trend is, um, is tired. Uh, as somebody who likes combustion engines, how do you feel about electric cars? Electric cars are good for transportation, good for point A to point B. I, I don't have enough context to know whether they're good for the environment. I think that they're soulless. It's like driving a washing machine. If you had to pick one to drive, which one would you pick? Uh, one electric car? Mm -hmm. Tesla Model S Plaid, I guess. Really? How do you feel about the Cybertruck? I think it's uniquely something that Elon Musk could only do because it is such a radical design. It would never get done in any other context. I think there's probably some kinks to work out with like uh, the rusting issues, which mm -hmm. I guess is Yeah, something. I saw that recently. But like outside of that, like I think it's bold. I think it's like somewhat interesting. I'd never buy one. So I didn't realize it said you lose on the screen if you don't beat it? it, but you had a good lap time. What's my best lap? You had a- 41.8. Perfect. Dude, Elvis killed board. it. Yeah, Elvis did what kill it. What was JT's time, best time? Oh, uh, we have to check. That might have been JT's best time.